Magic of the Spheres podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have more eclectic conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. Hey everyone, I know it's been slow around here. The winter time is definitely one of those times of going inward. This time last year, the podcast was actually on a little hiatus, which maybe will be something that I'll institute next winter, knowing my patterns at this point. But I do have some episodes in the wings, and I am bringing you today the forecast for December 23rd to the 29th of December 2020 um, that went up on YouTube earlier today. And for those of you that love astrology and have been wanting to deepen your relationship to it, to source your own interpretations, to understand the system from a holistic perspective, to be able to have a deeper relationship with your own natal chart, to be able to read other charts. My evolutionary astrology intensive is beginning January 11th and the deadline to enroll is January 8th. This is an amazing program that you know, is an entrance into the world of evolutionary astrology. And this form of astrology is so close to my heart. I see it as a wisdom school, and it really is a powerful lens for understanding deeper layers of reality, for understanding our souls, you know, and how the soul even works, like the nature of the soul, how we um, are driven and compelled at some deeper level by our soul um, and how to have a conversation with this really deep part of us through understanding astrology and the natal chart. Evolutionary astrology is the branch of astrology that I practice primarily and feel the most influenced by, though I have studied other forms of astrology and still do. Um, But if you like my content Um, through these forecasts or you enjoy this podcast in general, it's going to be that kind of vibe except a deeper dive into the whole system of astrology um, in a way that you can have a deeper relationship with it. So I'm going to leave the link for that in the notes and leave you to this week's forecast. Keep in mind, it was on YouTube. So when you hear me say YouTube-like things, like comment and subscribe. That's why. But of course, if you would like to transfer that over to the podcast, um, I love to get your reviews. If you take a screenshot of your review of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or iTunes and take a screenshot of your review before you click submit and email it to me at sabrina at monarchastrology.com, I'll send you a resource library about creating and elevating your reality. Welcome back. This is Sabrina Monarch of monarchastrology.com bringing you the astrology forecast for December 23rd to December 29th, 2020. Um, At the moment of recording this, the exact Saturn-Jupiter conjunction in Aquarius happened like a few hours ago at 10.20 a.m. Pacific on um, this day, the solstice, the 21st. This video will be out tomorrow, though. And um, by the end of this week, the 29th, we'll have a full moon in Cancer 
And before then, we have a lot of squares. We have Mars square Pluto, we have Sun and Mercury square Chiron, and we have Venus square Neptune. So that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. Um, the transits this week pose many frictions, right, with all these squares. By the way, I just want to say that you can find the written version of this forecast at monarchastrology.com, and I branched out to YouTube to read you what I've written and add some extra commentary. So we have all these frictions, Mars and Aries square Pluto and Capricorn, and the Sun and Mercury and Capricorn square Chiron and Aries, and Venus and Sagittarius squares Neptune and Pisces. And if you're not already familiar, the square aspect is a 90 degree angle. It's very confrontational and it tends to bring pressures to a head. Squares make themselves known. They just, you know, they're obvious, they're visible. It's like being at a four-way stop and having a car to your right or left. And if both of you proceed forward at the same speed, um, there's going to be a collision. As this translates to astrology, however, these collisions are like the spark born of two sticks rubbing together, the start of a fire. Squares can be vitalizing and dynamic, and they can accelerate the plot line as much as they are also tense. So consider not being in a rush for a resolution this week. With the Aries planets involved, there is a sense of urgency at play. We want what we want, and we want it now. However, the Capricorn planets are like grandmother trees. They've been here for years. They'll be here for years more. And they've already, you know, seen many cycles of life and death already. What is urgent to the Aries consciousness is like a blip in time to Capricorn. To be fair, Capricorn has already climbed the mountain, you know, archetypally speaking, Many, you know, Capricorn people are ambitious and still feel like they're climbing, but just for the metaphor's sake here, um, Capricorn has already climbed the mountain. And if this archetype wishes to offer the torch to the next generation, Capricorn is also responsible for empathizing and relating to initiates, which is a art in of itself. <clears throat> So this Mars-Pluto square, Mars and Aries square, Pluto and Capricorn has actually been in orb for months. Um, it's due to Mars' recent retrograde. You know, we've just had Mars kind of hovering within a 10 degree orb of this square for a long time, but it's exact again this week. So its themes have been coming up a lot more. And I'll talk about this in a moment here, but there's definitely this kind of tension between the old and the new with Capricorn and Aries. And, you know, it's a rich archetypal tension that we can find in stories um, from the beginning of time, essentially, like the elders versus the youth. And the way that these forces can work together, but sometimes they, um, they're at odds, like the very, you know, like Peter Pan, many, I'm sure you've seen the movie. Um, in the book, there's like a, a scene between Peter Pan and Hook where they're just kind of yelling curses at each other. Um, I wish, you know, it just came into my mind now. Otherwise I would have looked up the exact line of dialogue, but, you know, Peter Pan is saying some insult at Hook and then Hook is like, you ignorant youth, you know, and they're just kind of at this, um, 
impasse together where they don't understand each other. And I think that Capricorn and Aries can really get along and be like vitalized and have this positive friction together. But we're also looking at some tensions around, you know, the new kid and the person who's been there for decades, um, which can be a rich relationship, but there can also be projections and misunderstandings between the two. So the requests that life makes of us, the calls that we receive to courage, to step up, to take action, these things are emergent and they have a now quality. But through the act of reflection, time slows down. It is not just the action we take and the way it carries the plot forward that matters. It's how awake we can be in the process. It's how affected and moved we can be by it. Reflect on the plot, reflect on how the plot of life can mature us if we are willing to entertain the alchemical, soulful, deeper questions around our accountability in a given situation and our dharma, why we are even in these situations at all. So before we get into our week, a few announcements. Um, One is that I would encourage you to sign up for my mailing list, which is a great way to stay in touch with me. The link is in the notes. Um, And you can also find me on social media on Instagram at Sabrina Monarch, Twitter, if you prefer, at Sabrina underscore Monarch. I would love it while you're here, if you would make sure to like this video and comment, let me know what you think as you're listening, how you're doing, and please subscribe and hit the notification bell um, so that you know when I have new videos coming out. I have an upcoming evolutionary astrology intensive January 11th and the deadline to enroll is January 8th. The link is in the notes. Um, This is a class that gives you the foundations to speak this language of evolutionary astrology. It's a Pluto and lunar node focused astrology that gets into why we're here, why our soul incarnated and what kinds of themes we've been working on as a soul in prior lives and how that influences us today. Um, Not only is this a great way to get to know yourself, your natal chart and the natal charts of people around you, but it's definitely a wisdom school. Um, These teachings are related to living skillfully and understanding the multivalent quality of the archetypes, their troubling or difficult elements, as well as their, um, you know, idealistic grand, uh, visionary potentials that each of them holds this axis, um, and getting to know these stories and getting to know these archetypes for yourself, learning how to see astrology for yourself. I really encourage my students. Intuition, um, can be a just a really transformative life experience and a skill that you'll get to carry with you um, onward. I also have a level two training for alumni of the Evolutionary Astrology Intensive Meteorite that's beginning January 31st. And you can apply for that um, and learn more about it via the link in the notes as well. It's a nine month astrological embodiment accelerator. My astrology reading bookings are currently closed, but I am taking new clients for ongoing mentorship and coaching, which is a six month or one year commitment. And if you're interested in working with me in that capacity, please send me an email at sabrina at monarchastrology.com. I'd love to hear what draws you, um, what you're interested in exploring, and we can start a conversation. 
I also just want to say that I'm a little bit slow on publishing Magic of the Spheres podcast episodes right now, but I will be back soon. This time last year, I was on a hiatus, so perhaps time is repeating itself, um, but I have more episodes in the wings. So let's get back into the forecast. Um, December 23rd, 2020, Mars in 23 degrees of Aries will square Pluto in 23 degrees of Capricorn at 6.53 a.m. Pacific. As I was saying, Mars and Pluto have been orb, been in orb of this square for some months now due to Mars' recent retrograde. <clears throat> However, it's kicking up in intensity at the moment because the square is exact again. I want to share a passage I wrote for the Mars retrograde several months ago in which I was really reflecting on this aspect, Mars and Aries square Pluto and Capricorn. And I wrote about it for the Mars retrograde itself because it was such a characterizing factor of it. So I edited it slightly um, for this week, but the original one can be found um, in the forecast uh, for when Mars stationed retrograde. And I'll link that one in the notes as well. With Mars and Aries squaring Pluto and Capricorn, there's a major emphasis on slowing down and sinking into a deeper intentionality with our actions. You know, Mars, Pluto, when they come together, there's a, um, a way that sometimes our actions are unconsciously aggressive and we can either project that onto creating an enemy right? Or we can receive the reflection of like, wow, I'm really bulldozing over people right now, or I'm really using my will um, to dominate others, like actually slowing down to see that that's happening of like, oh my God, I'm being a bully right now. Like that is a very much a possibility with Mars square Pluto. And so that, you know, is in relationship to the other perhaps, but it can be in relationship to reality too. Like, are you pushing your will too much? Are you trying to make something happen at all costs with a certain kind of ruthlessness? Slow down, right? What are the differences to you between inhibition, caution, and wisdom? Capricorn's a lot more conservative. Than Aries. There's a um, slower quality. There's a sense of assessing the history and the, um, the greater kind of context of a situation, which is not to say that Capricorn is better or wiser than Aries because Aries has this fresh spark of life and maybe can see things in a way that Capricorn is too crystallized to see. Um, so they need each other in a sense, but they, they battle a little bit especially with a Mars-Pluto square. So there's an archetypal tension within this transit between establishment, tradition, the old, and a fresh burst of life and instinct. Capricorn, Aries. At times, the disagreement is warlike. Establishment wants to quell the new, or the new wants to destroy the establishment. At this level of intense disagreement, there is often a lack of understanding and even developmental blocks from understanding each other. What is established may be too crystallized to be flexible, and what is new is too immature to understand the full depth of the situation. Real talk, okay? Um, 
And that's tricky. What do you do when those energies are put in the same room? On the other hand, this archetypal tension can often be fruitful. The new energy is coming into maturity within the container of the world that has already been built and established. So yes, sometimes the new rages against that. They're like, this is what you've made me inherit. Like you messed up. I have the vision. Here's what we're going to do now out with the old. On the other hand, maybe a more balanced approach would be to understand what one has inherited in a more complex, nuanced fashion of what has been the gift. And also there's something, um, you know, each generation inherits the troubles of the past and they're meant to work through them in their own lives, not necessarily um, carrying these torches to go attack the old, like um, if we want to think about it in terms of ancestry, we heal our lineages, we heal ourselves when we change patterns that we've inherited and we learn how to live in a new and perhaps more adaptive way. Um, this was like something that, you know, I was on a, a class trip that was a camping trip and we were assigned to like go walk in nature and just like have an intentional wander and like, um, listen to the trees, like see what messages they had for us. Um, I'm really glad that I learned how to like listen to plants. I'm definitely a lot more of a planet person than a plant person. Um, but having friends who are close to the plant world, they taught me that you can like sit with a tree and like how to talk to the tree and whatnot. So highly recommend if you know some plant people um, and, you know, for a short version of it, essentially like we, we might think that our thoughts are our own and they happen inside our, our skulls. And so if we have a novel thought while sitting under a tree, it's like, well, that was my thought. <laughs> but what if you realized that you were influenced by the tree? So if you enter into conversation with a plant and talk to the plant and make an offering um, and develop a relationship, you might get visions or have understandings come through that are related to your connection to that plant at a simple level of putting it. Um, so I had this like little baby tree tell me something about like you don't go back in time to tell the people who came before you that they were wrong. Like you just live, you move forward and this will ripple back into the lineage. Um, and it was a very profound message from this little tree, but it kind of showed me maybe how grotesque it would feel to have your offspring turn around and just like analyze what's wrong with you instead of just your offspring going off and flourishing and the elders being inspired by that example. And I think that um, there's an early process within a coming of age process where the youth becomes disillusioned. Their elders are no longer gods to them. They're fallible people who have messed up, uh, you know, and there's a sense of uh, wanting retribution or wanting them to take accountability or wanting them to apologize. And it's, um, it can be very violent and very painful, right? And sometimes there's also um, a legitimacy in terms of the, the young wanting to break away from the old holding the power too much and not being willing to pass the torch, you know, and feeling like they have to free themselves. They have to make a more dramatic um, exit from the past. Um, 
so these situations can be so nuanced and so different that it's hard to make like a general uh prescription for all or something like that. What I more want to do is just draw attention to the complexity of this archetypal tension, because it's something that's up in the air, quite likely, you know, I've already seen it, but it's, um, it's around with this aspect. And this was something that I was talking about months ago. Um, and, you know, would be something that we've been experiencing for the past few months, but is spiking again right now. Sometimes the youth and the elders have immensely respectful relationships to each other and can feel enhanced by each other. Um, so these are like, there's a kind of um, eros, and I don't mean in a sexual context, but like the erotic, where there is a draw to learn from someone or a draw to be influenced by someone. And I think when there's a sense of mutual respect of like the youth being like this elder um, I really want to learn from them. I respect them. And then the elder feeling like that person is receptive to their wisdom. There's like a mutual flourishing that can happen in that connection where, um, they want to give to each other. <laughs> they want to exchange and there's a respect, uh, between them, not like a, you're a stodgy old stubborn person who doesn't get it. And you're an ignorant youth kind of vibe. <laughs> like there's a lot more of a, um, a mutual love. And it takes two to create that. These archetypal frictions between old and new challenge what is old and established to become more clear about where standing ground is necessary and where flexibility is needed. The long established energies can be bothered by being challenged so recklessly as it would appear to them. They've had the time to become chill. <laughs> the younger ones are not chill, you know? So that sense of um, where am I going to stand my ground and be like, this is who I am. And where is that a kind of stubbornness or stodginess or unnecessary conservatism where some more flexibility and empathy would fit the situation better? If there are places in our lives where we possess a certain amount of authority or expertise, or we have worked and climbed hard to attain our position, we may find ourselves playing the Capricorn or the establishment in this dynamic. It could be a social, social position of power, um, but it could also be a well-maintained sense of personal integrity. If we we're playing Capricorn, then Mars is squaring us. So it's this sense of I built something, I feel like it's being challenged. Rather than being shocked at being challenged, we might come to expect that our position will be challenged. It's the natural order of things between generations. Um, we're between, you know, I don't just mean generations in the uh, age sense, but generations in like an industry or, um, a, a given field. The question is how skillfully and perhaps even playfully we can work with resistance. Be mindful of sparring occurring in your environment between the old and the new elders and youth, traditional values and rebellion to those values, authority and recklessness, the experienced and the initiates. This is rich and human and it has been playing out archetypally as long as we've been organizing in society. You can find it in books, films, and your own family systems. 
This archetypal tension challenges what is new and instinctual and impulsive to find an efficacious course of action that is more responsible and aware than it is impatient or foolish. Or to be willing at least to accept the consequences of foolishness, to learn through trial and error and feedback, and perhaps even some developmental necessity to test life and one's abilities and learn what happens. Aries Capricorn, you know, is like Aries does before thinking and Capricorn thinks and calculates before doing. And there's a certain amount of experience that Capricorn has collected that allows for that. And um, if we're in a position of newness, like we're doing something, we're trying something out and we don't know how it's going to go because we don't have any history to kind of um, assess, like, you know, we haven't done this thing before, then by being the fool, uh, and we can think about like the fool in the tarot, like jumping off the cliff, taking the step, taking the leap, we are blessed oftentimes because if we're that new, you know, it's like, it's not like we're just making a bad decision and we know better. It's like, we're trying something out and we're seeing how it goes. There's often a kind of beginner's luck or beginner's blessing that comes with that. But we also have to accept the consequences, um, of making mistakes or receiving feedback and that process of taking that in, getting back up, reassessing, recalibrating, and trying again with that experience and wisdom that has been collected. For lack of a better word, we speak of foolishness. I remember when I first wrote this, I felt like foolish was such a harsh word. It doesn't reach me as harshly now, but anyway. Archetypally, one who is fresh and new and unaware of the path before them is a, quote, fool. The fool often finds support, luck, as well as lessons in life that are the feedback from one's actions. One at the onset of a new journey has to have some reserve of courage or naivete or a mix of both to set off. Often this courage is rewarded and a repetitive or consistent willingness to try new things and get back up is a kind of strength that is represented at the intersection of Aries and Capricorn energies. The fool, the fresh initiate, the new one, these characters may have less experience, but they're also less crystallized in their perception and potentially less jaded by life. The perspective they bring is truly fresh and it can challenge or invigorate We're both the status quo. These tense dynamics we've explored exist within intergenerational discord, conservatism versus progress, as well as within the self's competing impulses for maintaining the status quo versus breaking it. It is also the self's competing impulses for new adventures versus staying in the known. And whether we give ourselves permission and support for learning new things or feel too inhibited to do so or shame ourselves too hard when we make mistakes. Remember that planetary transits occur relationally, like across people, um, but they also represent aspects of ourselves. These dynamics can be found in many places. That is to say, like these could be happening where you're in a position and someone else is in a position. And sometimes, you know, there's a switching of positions in different areas of life. Like it's a lot more multivalent and layered, Um, but these can also be internal impulses. Like you're wanting to do something new, but there's a part of your consciousness that's like, don't, that's not wise, you know? And so you have that um, fresh burst of life versus that older, 
more like conservative energy housed within you as well. Consider the radical, evolutionary, or revelatory opportunities available when these archetypal uh, tensions collaborate and teach one another more than they war with each other and what that could look like in your own life. Not that all conflict can be avoided or is meant to be avoided, right? So even if there is conflict, to look at it from a more soulful lens as opposed to being so entrenched in ego that the other is the enemy. It's like, well, what part of you is at war and what part of them is at war? And reflecting at that more deeply um, can sometimes be very alchemical and shift the actual situation and help us to um, create peace where there would have just been division and destruction instead. I believe one of the highest expressions of the warrior is the peacemaker, one who understands war. And because they truly respect the damage that war causes, they work to create peace instead at every possible opportunity. This is an alchemical warrior. When we find more skillful ways of resolving conflict or negotiating agreements or learning how to opt out of inner violence, we support a more peaceful planet. Peace moves. It is a power and it takes courage and nobility. And then Mercury in Capricorn. <clears throat> four degrees of Capricorn will square Chiron in four degrees of Aries at 6, 11 p.m. the same day. And this gives us another Aries Capricorn square, which echoes the generational or new versus old tensions. But there are some other things to think about relative to this transit in particular. Chiron and Aries could be seen as a wound around selfhood and courage, the way that one might suffer developmentally if they're not allowed to make mistakes as a child. Um, or even just, you know, like a child's trying to tie their own shoe and the parents getting impatient and they're like, oh, let me just tie it for you, which might happen sometimes. Right. But like if that kind of behavior happens over and over again, where the child is not allowed to try things out and figure things out for themselves, it's developmentally um, a kind of wound or trauma. Um one might suffer emotionally if they feel a new idea they expressed aloud was immediately shut down or ridiculed by others. So both of these, it's like trying to put one's energy out, trying to do something for the first time and it being like squished. So there is some struggle potentially with inhibition with Chiron and Aries being afraid to take a step or make a mistake or some overcompensation like bravado, the need to be the best, or a fixation on winning as a metric of self-worth to account for the wounds to selfhood earlier in life. Chiron and Aries can also express as a bully figure, tearing down others before one can be torn down themselves, you know, essentially beating the other to it. If we have the moral character and awareness to not act on that type of impulse, mean thoughts about others or the desire to like dominate or, you know, put others down, um, can still be a flag in our consciousness that something is up, like that we are being activated or triggered, um, that something's up for us, not necessarily for the other person who has um, triggered that response in us. 
Resonating with Aries type of wounding does not make the Aries mission invalid. Archetypally, we often do need to experience a win that the soul yearns for in order to move on. Once the win occurs, there is a natural tendency for complex feelings of depression, disappointment, or what now kinds of thoughts to settle in. Perhaps we imagine that arriving at a certain destination would mean something. Um, when we overlooked, you know, that the journey to fix what I wrote here, um, you know, we arrive at some destination thinking that it would mean something while all the while, when we were on this journey, we were overlooking the soulfulness and value of that journey itself, that we actually liked the process, that we actually liked being impelled toward a goal. Um, and that having the thing wasn't necessarily the only value, that it was also aspiring, that drew something important out of us. And as Mercury and Capricorn meets Chiron and Aries at this square, it's possible that we're experiencing some kind of mental pivot around how we find meaning in the goals that grip us at a deeper level. So those things, those games that you're playing, those um, strategies, those ways that you're climbing in life that you're like, I have to do this. I have to get to this destination. I have to meet this goal. Like you're driven. It's your destiny, right? Um, it's possible at the moment that the mood is more sobering and more humble. It's also possible that we will be in greater touch with our thoughts around why things aren't possible, but also reach um, in reach of breakthrough. We can be assessing, reassessing our motivations, finding ourselves still drawn toward the same thing even, but for new reasons. In some cases, it may also be pivoting actual direction, not just our thoughts about the direction. So um, like as an example, like let's say someone has this really big dream and part of the dream is motivated because they didn't feel recognized in a certain way as a child. So there's some kind of like wounding there. It doesn't mean that their dream is any less valid because it has some kind of wounded reason behind it. Sometimes um, that's just the story that we've been in, or it was the wound that kind of catalyzed the ambition. But then we find ourselves moving towards this goal. We no longer resonate with the original wound as much, but we still want the thing. So it's not to say... Um, that it was like misguided because it was based off a wound or something like that. Wounds can be very spiritual, very soulful. They're openings to the soul, but they can open up like a path. And as we walk that path, we have a new orientation to ourselves and to life. We may also be pivoting actual direction and not just thoughts about our direction. So in some cases, you know, we might have been working towards something and realize, wait, I don't even want this thing anymore and move in a different direction as a result. On December 24th, Mercury in six degrees of Capricorn will try and Uranus retrograde in six degrees of Taurus at 11.05 PM. And at the time of this aspect, the moon and black moon Lilith will also be conjunct Uranus and trining Mercury. Many of us have inherited an idea that our ideas and communications have to be fully baked and complete before we send them, before we verbalize them. 
Perhaps this is appropriate in certain contexts, but in some contexts, it can create a sense of stagnancy, a state of constant hiding, wanting to speak, but never having the words, wanting to come out into the world, but always staying back because I'm not ready. I'm not good enough yet. I don't know if this is like going to be well received yet. There is another subtle reality, however, that things change as soon as they are named or spoken. Like we will be worked by our words after we speak them. We will adjust. This is a part of the magic of the word. Sometimes we have to say something aloud or post something online to have that new perspective click. Um, I think that, you know, the word, words are powerful and they have this impact. They have a magic. They create energies in people's uh, bodies and in the room, right? But as an energy too, there's a cost that comes with always holding back um, or having a lot of block around the voice. Um, and I think that one of the reasons that people feel blocked in their voice is that they're afraid of the consequences of their words, or what if they say the wrong thing, or what if people judge them when it's like, those may be experiences that need to occur in order to get to the other side. Um, or maybe we need to feel the non-resonance of our language to readjust. Um, and I think that's a trickier uh, pill to swallow when it comes to thinking about saying things out loud that aren't perfect or complete or may not be true tomorrow, you know, it causes anxiety. Um, but perhaps consider it an embodiment of the voice to be able to name what is true in a moment and then name what is true in the next moment and so on. These truths do not last necessarily, but honoring them as they arise creates fluidity and fluency in our reality. If you're not comfortable just getting out a microphone and saying certain things, you know, even do you let yourself do that in a journal? Like, are there things that you won't even bring yourself to say? Um, it could be a good start to just be more, um, allowing of your voice with yourself, but then there's also the social field. And, um, so many people who have things to say and aren't saying them because they're afraid, you know, so thinking about like freeing and liberating the voice, Mercury, <laughs> trying your honest. December 25th, the sun in four degrees of Capricorn will square Chiron in four degrees of Aries. There may be a basic tension at play currently around self-expression and the results that we want to come of that. So how we want to come off or appear to others and how we don't. How we feel pressure to conform in order to not experience consequences in reality, such as not fitting in or being ostracized versus feeling bursts of energy that is wanting to come out that we deem unruly, inappropriate, or not wise. There's not a simple answer here, just a tension that could inspire us to take off some masks that we have been wearing or to be reserved if that is truly the wiser thing to do. If we do feel this kind of tension, there is a dissonance perhaps between our routine way of being or our ego, even, and something that is wanting to come through us, like a, an expression, a, an embodiment of being. Working with this tension may relate to becoming more thoroughly self-expressed. Consider if there is a place in your life that you feel both reserved and frustrated like you're holding back in a way that is becoming more unbearable or more inauthentic. This is a place where we are experiencing growing pains, like a shell we used to live more comfortably inside of um, is becoming too small. One could dramatically step out. One might also be inclined toward learning some skills to create a more easeful transition. 
And on the other arc of this, in terms of the magic kind of like healing experience of the sense where Chiron, it could be the experience of letting yourself be authentic in a moment where you expect recourse, where you expect it's not going to go well, or that you're going to lose love and actually being loved more for it. And I think there's something to that. That's very true. Not necessarily in every moment would that happen. Um, sometimes being ourselves, you know, is going to be repulsive to some and attractive to others. It's going to shift our reality to be more truthful or to be more expressed in ourselves. Um, but I think there is an arc of the more authentic, the expression over time, um, the more and more we draw towards resonance and love and connection, um, because we are allowing that. And that when we are, um, inauthentic, a lot of the time, um, sometimes we find ourselves in conditions for certain periods of time where that feels like a form of survival, Um, And so we carry that pattern when it's not about our survival and we actually do have more freedom. um, If this was ever an experience for you, it can still feel uh, so dangerous. (laughs) Maybe even at like a a genetic level, it feels dangerous um, to come out and to be oneself. Um, But then, you know, we have to live with the consequences of the life that we build around our inauthenticity. Um, so this could be something that's up at the moment, as well as maybe some of those cardinal turning point moments where it's like you express yourself authentically and you feel a shift or a change, or you feel like you're being met. December 27th, the sun in six degrees of Capricorn will try and Uranus retrograde in six degrees of Taurus at 7.25 p.m. Pacific. There may be some intimations at the moment around major change or progress in our life, taking the form of slow, concrete steps, that a, that a personal revolution is happening through devotion, through routine, and through the things we bond ourselves to in our schedule. Um, so the revolution that takes place on your calendar, you know, like thinking about how your life would change if you had more things scheduled that were in alignment with your goals or long-term plans. It's very earthy, very pragmatic kind of magic. December 29th, Venus in 18 degrees of Sagittarius will square Neptune in 18 degrees of Pisces at 2.18 a.m. Pacific. With Venus and Mars both in fire signs and creating hard aspects to outer planets, it's a passionate week in our relationships. And there can be a lot of content here beyond what meets the eye, including projection, awakening, and soul making. There's a strong draw in this Venus-Neptune aspect to see the best in others, to see their heroism, their stunning beauty, their most remarkable qualities that make them larger than life and enchanting to us. Sometimes caught in a spell in deep admiration for others, we can become blurrier about our own boundaries and desires. Like, I just want what they want, or I just want what makes sense for this. And there's something that can be magical about that, but also tricky. At a positive level, this has an opening effect, bringing us outside of our normal egoic bounds sparking us into a willingness to try new things and to have new experiences. At a more challenging level, it can turn into self-abandonment, rationalizing that something is okay, 
because we're just down for the ride. Sometimes floating adrift like this is the path to self-knowledge, but at the point that it is a pattern, it invites us to become more clear on our values so that we can align ourselves accordingly. So there's more to this thought for me in the sense that one time I was listening to like a channel um, maybe it was like an Akashic Records thing or just a psychic um, on a podcast episode. And I, I don't remember who the person was, but they were saying like someone was asking, like, how do we have, you know, attract romantic love if that's what we're seeking? And the person said that romantic love is a this kind of full expression of really knowing who you are and knowing what you desire and value. And I think that there is some truth in this, that Venus attracts based on having a very strong sense of self and value. And the more like now when I watch any film or any TV show, I see it through all these different archetypal lenses, right? So I notice that sometimes there's these very compelling romantic characters, romantic protagonists who are so loved because they are so stubborn, um, that they, they have a really strong sense of integrity and they know what their value system is. And they will, they will make these hard choices where it's like, yes, of course they're in love, but they have, you know, this is the thing that they stand for. They have boundaries. Um, and with Venus Neptune, there's a little bit more of a vibe, like anything is possible this is my soulmate. Uh, there's this magic around it. So anything is fine. I had this plan for my life, but now I'm just going to go off and do this other thing. Like there's this like lofty loss of self that one is doing because they think it's in devotion of this love, but then the love just up and disintegrates. I know this sounds jaded, you know, but the love disintegrates, it can. And then there's a sense of dissolution, like, you know, they've lost touch with themselves and then they've then lost the other. So there's this thought with like Venus Neptune of like, the more easygoing I am, the less preference I have, the more I can uh, compromise and cooperate and create with another when actually um, part of the tension and fire of Venus is the art of negotiation. Um, the meeting of people who have, you know, different interests perhaps, and they negotiate. Um, when someone abandons their negotiating chips and they don't have any preferences and don't have any values and they're just like completely like along for the ride and this whole kind of thing, um, it's a kind of magical potential in terms of, I think that one playing that part perhaps wants to ex have an experience that they believe that the other is the driver of. So it's a kind of submissive position of like, I, you know, assign the path to this other driver. Um, but if one does that perpetually, and then they wonder why love never works out, it, I think there's like a blurriness or a diffuseness that's happening with Venus Neptune. That's tricky. Um, and that the ideal of not having any preferences in order to be this perfect chameleon, that's just a reflection of another person's fantasies. Um, in that self-abandonment, the self becomes abandoned. So that's my 
my rant on that. Um, the blurring of boundaries can be part of sublime experiencing. Instead of feeling separate from the world, we feel entirely connected. We see the fabric that connects everything. This can be experienced as dreams that whisper the future, as synchronicity, as noticing themes in our own lives reflected in the lives of others around us, of feeling universally connected to all things, to nature. This can be a fruitful time to open our hearts to the magic of the world that really relationship is a gateway to. Those of us that love astrology, um, experiencing meaning in these celestial bodies that others might consider inanimate objects hurling in space. Those that love plants may talk to them and experience them as beings instead of just walking past them on the sidewalk and kind of blocking them even out of uh, recognition. The simple but expansive consideration that something or someone may be mysterious and full of surprise and beauty results in having a more alive experience of that person or thing. Perception, curiosity, and trusting in the depth and value beyond what we know so trusting that there is more than meets the eye can be a form of courtship. So if we're looking at Venus square Neptune and back to that point earlier about the dissolving of preferences and just being a chameleon, it's like that dissolving of preference and that dissolving can create union and it is very powerful, but there is also the way that if we want to go off the, um, the vision that God goddess source um, split itself into many, that we're all sparks of the divine and that we're here, um, that separation occurred for connection. If we have a sense of self, a sense of what our yes and no is, what our values are, and we're able to kind of blur and like form union, then you have that tension. That's kind of like the cup flowing over and the like Aphrodite, like coming out of the ocean, like all these kind of sublime experiences of just the upwelling of passion and love and romance, as opposed to being completely swallowed by the sea. And then we have a full moon in eight degrees of Cancer at 7.28 p.m. this same day. Uh, Chiron and Aries forms a T-square to this lunation. The Cancer Capricorn axis relates to development, the way that we develop in family systems and in cultures with cultural conditioning. I mean, all cultures have cultural conditioning, but we grow up in cultures with conditioning. We are formed within these matrices, sometimes empowered by these conditions that we have and other times wounded by them. But none of us have gone through life without this kind of influence. Cancer Capricorn themes can bring up reflection around our personal history or a more familiar, familial or collective history as we seek to understand the consequences that these influences have had on us. Another way to enter into it too at a soul level is why did I choose these conditions? A full moon in Cancer suggests a growing mood of sentimentality the desire to connect and cohere with others, and perhaps more nostalgic reflections and visions coming through. It is also possible that if there are places in our lives we are seeking more responsibility or status, Capricorn, wanting to be someone, which can also be Capricorn or Aries, um, we are also tasked with understanding the people around us, 
A leader that understands the people is more beloved than a leader who does not. Leadership may be literal here, like a position of leadership, but it can also be a role that is organically fulfilled by living one's purpose and being true to oneself. When a person ripens into themselves in this way, they become leaders by example. Others do not necessarily imitate them directly or desire to, but they're influenced and inspired by this person being so fully themselves and it inspires them to also be themselves. It's permissioning. The ability to understand and to hold space for others while also knowing who one is and where their boundaries are can be immensely community building. We do not have to be the same or have the same values. And I get that some divides are harder to cross. However, one who takes the time or has the psychological maturity to understand and empathize with others may gain respect. It's not just about who we are, but how we relate to the matrix of life around us that determines who we end up being in the world. So this is what I have for you this week. Do check out the links um, in the notes around uh, the Evolutionary Astrology Intensive and Meteorite. Please comment on this video and like. Thank you for being here and I hope that you have a beautiful week.